Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined this week with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, uh, who is back from vacation, sun-kissed from the beach. Uh, as you may have noticed, we didn't have a podcast last week, and that's because this summer we're taking some time to get away. Yeah, for us, it was it's this was actually the vacation. Yeah. You know, admittedly, I've had a couple of pretty cush getaways this summer that were, <laughs> and I almost don't want to say they were work because it feels like I'm whiny, but it was work. Like, yeah. you know, I'm leading a trip to Wyoming, and you know, I'm teaching in Washington, so I'm, you know, happen to be doing it in a beautiful background. But hey, you know, Jesus taught at the Sea of Galilee, so technically he had the same gig. I, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so sue me. Uh, but this was actually like a vacation, vacation where it was just my wife, uh, my son, and and his uh, wingman. In the, have you been to the Jupiter, Florida? Do you know I've about not Jupiter? been to the East Coast of yeah. Florida on vacation. I have been right, so on tour. Yeah, like mm-hmm. on the road and stuff. Yeah, but. Yeah, I had purpose. not been, and I didn't know this part of society. I mean, I guess maybe I thought it did. I don't know. Like, we were, like, why was everything closing at 9 o'clock? Like, where, where is everybody? And it's the off-season in July. July is the off-season for Jupiter, Florida. Yeah, because, as best I can tell, this is a, you know, maybe you Jupiter people can correct me, but, like, like so Destin... 31, 38, whatever. Like those are all like that's packed. Prime time this time of year. Same thing, by the way. It's just a beach, but this is like where. So it feels like this Destin is where millionaires are, um, wealthy, whatever. But this is seems to be like where billionaires. <laughs> this is like where Ivanka is hanging up. Next level. And they don't like riffraff, you know. So there's no like you know Alvin's surf shop. Everything closed at nine. Ethan was bored out of his mind because there was nothing to do. Interesting. Unless, yeah, I mean, I thought maybe he could get in on a game of canasta or you know some shuffleboard down at you know Del Boca Vista Phase Two for the retirement community, but they weren't having it. So um, it was weird. It was just a weird feeling. There's the same beach that is everywhere else and is beautiful, and it wasn't crowded. And you know, we were able to park like right up front, and everybody kept saying, "Yeah, well, it's you know, you got to come back when it's not the off season." It's so bizarre, right? Like, when's the on season? It's in the winter. They, they, you know, and they were, they're, and they're, t- they're acting like it's normal. Like, gotcha. That's when all the blue hairs, you know, show up and the, the snowbirds, whatever they call them. Yeah. But that's the same thing in Destin. They just have, I don't know, year, I don't know, year round. I mean, I have friends that own condos in Destin, and they actually, generally speaking, over November, December, will rent a whole month or two to sure. you know some snowbirds coming from Minneapolis or whatever. So anyway, I, I don't, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Interesting. Well, um, we're we're going to the beach in August, which we have found like middle of August to middle of September is apparently kind of the quote unquote the off season there in Destin area because school's back in session. Oh. You know, people are you know after Labor Day, it's it's pretty empty, and so that's when we've kind of found our little in August, late August. Okay. Middle September is is way quieter down there we used to do it in october because my son True. my kids were all in fall a, break was it well it was a school it wasn't it was like a, we were in a school a uh, year-round school okay that uh i don't remember what it was six eight weeks on three weeks off 
year round. And so we would go in October to like Orange Beach and it was still warm enough that you liked being there, but um but it was empty. Like the first week of October, <laughs> empty. It was before fall break happened. Um but now that you know, now that he's back in a school like where it's like normal, you know, we have to go when the normal people go, which is yeah. not the end of August, obviously. And I saw you went a little deep sea fishing. I did. You caught something. I did. We, um, so I, I talked my wife into going again. Um, to the deep sea fishing. Yeah. So the last time I went, I literally injured my arm. Like, that's right. Doctor's office. Sprained it or like something. Steroids. Like, I just jacked up my tendon because we got on top of a, a school of redfish that were like just hogs, man. Like a, the running of the hogs. And so um, this one, I was like, okay, I'm going to push my luck. I want to go out a little bit. Oh, no. And um, the sea was angry that day, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> we, we literally made it to the spot, dropped our lines, and at that point, Ethan started uh, hurling. Uh-oh. Like just puking. And, uh, you know, within a... I kept thinking, well, he's going to get through this. Uh, he did not. And then... Uh, so and it was it was literally like on the first cast that I pulled in like a 35, 40 pound barracuda. Nice. Dude. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be a fire day. Like the first cast. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then Asher, the wingman pulls in a 30 pound amberjack. It's like a little dinosaur with fins. Oh, cool. And, and then Asher, literally he reels it in, he gets his picture made and now he's puking. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Ethan is like literally alternate, alternating lying on the deck. Uh, and then dry heaving off the side, and That's then terrible. Uh, yeah, and then my wife went down. Oh, I was like, oh, jeez. So we uh, we did go, but we had to brief. Yeah, we had to go back into Trip. shore. I was like, oh. do you not do you not get motion sickness? Uh-uh. How is that possible? That's like a superpower. It has to be. I don't know. I it, it is never. I, I've never even gotten woozy. Man, that's impressive. With it, and so like roller coasters, mm, boats. No. Trips over the mountain in Haiti, you know, like oh, we, man. Man, I'm you know, we, um, I've just never, and so, yeah, so, and I was actually really fighting, you know, being judgy, <laughs> like, toughening it my, up, ruining my day, I'm over here catching barracudas, yeah, but, you know, 51 year old father, <laughs> loving father is like, you know, nobody likes to puke for four hours, and oh. that, that was the path that we were on, oh, so man. I called it, and we went back in, and, well, they it wasn't were, for nothing. It was. It wasn't completely nothing. But I just know there were other barracuda out there, and I was literally looking for a swordfish. Like I was. That would have been cool. Looking for it, but. Well, we're glad that you're back. Glad you got some time away. Um, while you were away this past weekend, Donna Van Leer taught Psalm 18, continuing in our sermon series, how to pray when, and. Uh, this passage was basically how to pray when you don't know how to pray, um, when things are rough and you're not really seeing uh, things happen um, when you are praying. And so you're kind of left speechless. Mm -hmm. And um, she kind of tackled that specifically she, Psalms 18. Yeah, and she did such a great job. Like, yeah. There's, of everybody in our, that, that I know in our church, and admittedly there are people I do not know, which I, is still weird and I don't like that, but... There's nobody uh, that could teach on prayer like Donna because it's just it's just who she is, you know. There's a part of just what she does. And so bringing her to bear on that, uh, and then, you know, she does what she does, which is she just made it simple. And we probably need to have her in, like, next week and have her talk through some. Because uh, anybody has been around Donna for any length of time, 
They say that if your Bible is falling, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone whose life is not. And her Bible's fallen apart. Like she has <laughs> worn that thing out uh, because it's just what she, it's who she is. And, you know, there's, when it comes to praying right now, praying like when you don't think anything's happening, praying when you think it's not working, I'm looking at the same world everybody else is looking at going, I'm praying. Everybody's praying. What's happening in our world? Yeah. Um, a lot is happening in our oh, world. man. Yeah, and on the one hand, like, let's celebrate, right? Like, I, I don't know how many years people have prayed specifically for this really bad law named Roe v. Wade to be overturned. But 10 days ago, it happened. Yeah. It's truly hard to believe. It's it still hasn't really. I'm I'm still processing because obviously we all know that it. Well, I say this most people know, it doesn't specifically outlaw abortion. It just says that this is a state's decision, which is why it was bad law to begin with. Yeah, like it wasn't a good to you know, federalize it. Yeah. should have never happened. Bad cases make bad law. There's what you know, uh, constitutional lawyers will say, and this is one of those. This was a uh, a, a case brought by. Uh, a woman who lied about how she got pregnant. The whole thing was a sham. Um, she later in life came out and said that she uh, was a huge mistake and became a Christian. And um, She was a very complicated person. But all that aside, this just wasn't a good law. So it's getting that off the books is a, is a win for uh, what, what are called textualists, originalists from the Constitution. Um, which, by the way, is exactly the difference between progressive Christianity and actual Christianity. Um, the, the, the textualists of the Constitution say, look, this is what they wrote. This is what they meant. So if you're a court, you're not here to make law. You're here to dis- determine what the law is. Congress has a place. They're the ones that make law. We're the ones that decide whether this is legal or not. There have been so many decisions in the last 20 years, 30 years, that are because the the Supreme Court justices view this as a living document, which means that we can add to it, we can change it, we can do away with it, do away with it. This is this was for a different time, and the culture is now. That's literally what a progressive Christians says. That this is a yes. Uh, they wouldn't call this a living document, though. They would call this a, the Bible, a document that was the best they understood at the time. But now we know more, so now we can add to it, um, which never ends well. It's what happened with the Mormons. It's what happened with. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, it's what happened with Islam. In the court now, what everybody's freaking about in, in the country, what the people that are freaking out are freaking out because they're saying, well, it's not the will of the people. It's not. That's literally not the job of the courts, was to decide what the will of the people is. Their job is to decide what the law is and to rule whether this is legal or illegal. And what's happened was they looked at this case and said, this is actually uh, not a constitutional law and overruled it. And Everybody crying and screaming about precedent, whether it's President Obama uh, or or CNN, completely ignore the fact that precedents are overturned all the time. Um, Brown versus Board of Education. There are laws that have been passed, uh, or or, I'm sorry, laws that have been ruled constitutional by the the Supreme Court that were later ruled unconstitutional, uh, not because of uh, modern culture, but because they looked at it and said that was just a really bad law and we're overruling it. So that's not a new thing. This is not brand new information. These guys aren't up there just making stuff up. They're just saying this is what the Constitution says, and our job is to rule one way or the other on it. 
It is really interesting distinction, not distinction, but like um, really a point that you made there about, you know, how culture treats the Constitution um, seemingly mirrors how culture treats Scripture. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting observation. Well, it's the, um, it literally is the difference between a progressive and a conservative. At at the most baseline. Uh Uh-huh point of view. Yeah, conservative is literally the idea of a conservative at its core is I am conserving I am uh of what we have here. I'm I'm fighting to less uh, is more. Yeah. Um and it's it's work, man, to conserve, to say that this is uh this is um I've, I've said it before, but like when I owned the little farm, like nature was battling against my farm every day. Yeah. So I had to fight it back every day. It's a lot of work to conserve um what you have in front of you and a progressive would say, and, and here, like, I'm, I'm not against progress. There are many things that we've, uh, as progress has happened, uh, that are good things in our world. Now, that said, when you look at them, so like the over, like slavery becoming unthinkable in Western culture, that didn't just come out of nowhere. It literally came out of Judeo-Christian values, which is why in most uh, Asian countries and even in Haiti, whatever, like slavery is, it's... It's literally not even, it doesn't even occur to them. So, but the point is, is it, that actually is not like you made up something new out of the Bible. That is something that you looked at the Bible and said, no, all, if all men really are equal, and that Jesus came for all the people of the world, that God, you know, life is valuable, is a, is a biblical Judeo-Christian idea. And if that's it, then that's conservative. That's not progressive. That's all that is, is fighting for what we already knew and putting away fake progress. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, the past couple of weeks have been been wild. Obviously, Roe versus Wade, this Dobbs ruling, um, which which was kind of cool about that here at Conduit is that it deployed a, a group of uh, men and women uh, that weekend to go uh, kind of oversee, protect, keep our eyes on the local crisis pregnancy center or the pregnancy center of Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, in Columbia to uh, make sure there was no nonsense or shenanigans happening to that center um, through the overnight uh, of that of that weekend it was just it was really encouraging and um, it was was neat to see folks step up being willing to do that um, in response to what what had happened and you know when when we we signed up to do this we were wondering is it like we don't want to overkill something um and by the way, Hope Clinic for Na- in Nashville, Hope Clinic for Women, they were firebombed last week. Yeah, I saw one thirty in the morning. Um, the, the beautiful thing is most of the people that are really aggressive um, leftism people are actually not very, uh, they're not warriors, right? So they, they don't really know. This is a broad sweeping statement, but I think I could back this up on the whiteboard. <laughs> uh, if you're looking for the one that knows how to make a Molotov cocktail, it's probably not going to be the leftist uh you know the, 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 the snowflakes like they're not they're not out there with firebombs so this is and I, you know bill maher would even agree with that he's like you don't want to pick a gunfight with a right wing because uh, right. they, they know more than you do about it but that said that was in our hearts which was if nothing else we wanted to communicate to the pregnancy center to kathy to the to the community to the community look we we are here we got your back um and you know, look. I mean, R.C. Moeller shows up like with brats, and you know, I mean, it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a fun night. Um, 
I met some uh, I met some lovely young men, some entrepreneurial uh, young men that tried to sell me a bag of weed um, or a bag of something. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, man, you know, you want a party? What are you into, man?" And I was like, "Bro, I'm a pastor. The chances of me Venmoing you for weed are so low." And he laughed, and then they, were, they all rolled off. But um, that said, like, it was important for us to be able to communicate to our community that life is important. That uh, the anybody that's met anyone that's involved with pregnancy centers anywhere across the country, they're always ran by and operated by, generally speaking, a woman. I think all of them, and they're just like Kathy, man. She's just a, she loves Jesus. She loves her family. Sweet, you know, holy spirit-filled woman. That she never picked a fight. She wasn't looking to be in a place to be firebombed. Like you know, she, taking her kids in her minivan to school. Like she's not looking for this, but. Being able to at least say to them that we got your back was important. And, you know, in just the last few weeks since the the original, um, and I actually didn't go back and look. I'm wondering how, how different the leaked version was draft from the uh, final. Doesn't matter. But when it leaked on May 5th, 6th, 7th, whether, like the amount of violence uh, enacted against pregnancy centers it wasn't reported very much. I mean, you go even on Drudge Report, and you'd, you'd think the only people in danger were abortion clinics of hardly any mention at all, or it'd be somewhere de- very deep inside, you know, well, you know, this is really not that big of a problem for the pregnancy centers. Well, try being the one that got burned down in Buffalo. Um, that's kind of a problem for them. Shut them down for six months. You know, we at a time when we need those, those resources more than ever, what we don't need is them being burned down um, by leftist uh, ideologues. Psalm 18 um, is this kind of the story that starts in verse 6 where um, the author is is crying out. It's, uh, David specifically crying out in his distress. Verse 6 says, In my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, which in of itself is an encouragement that he act- the Lord actually heard his voice. Mm. And my cry came before him into his ears. And then she basically, Donna basically taught kind of on the rest of that section, verses 7 through 15, where it talks about how the earth responded, you know, how how it, it shook, it trembled, it quaked, um, how the mountain, the, you know, the mountains shook and burning coals blazed out of it. And um, she was kind of just teaching this idea that, you know, there's things happening in the earth, there's things happening in the invisible um, that we may not see when we pray, but the Lord is, is offering a response and it may take time uh, for us to see how that plays out. And I just think back to, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, all of the, all of the saints, all of the, uh, the Christian community that's been praying for Roe v. Wade all of these years. Yeah. And to see that be finally come to life. Yeah for that prayer to be answered, for all of those things to come into play that had fallen into place over the past several decades for this moment now um, should be an encouragement to all of us. I agree. And did you, were you fascinated by the amount of hand-wringing that was happening online of, oh, I know this is uh, good, but we can't, oh, we don't want to celebrate too much because it's so, it's so compl- uh, complicated. It's so complex. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the caveats... Of yeah, that's a good congratulations. Way to word it. Yeah, like the caveats um, that accompanied the um, the joy of protecting life, <laughs> and we understand that there are this is complicated. 
it's not black and white but what is black and white is life and yeah. death yeah because i think that what you what you mean when you say that is what's complicated is that there's people it's not an issue there's a person on the other side it's not an issue it's a person okay that can make it complex but it doesn't make it hard like this is actually really easy yeah life was acknowledged and recognized that's not hard that's actually easy um and i know that when when people are sharing social media posts especially they've got a specific audience in mind so, so what ends up happening it's like you know uh, maybe that one person that posted it they're actually thinking of a very specific person in their life and so they're writing it to them but they're making it broad and sweeping to everyone um and then we are maybe doing the same like so from our side when, sure. I'm, when i'm celebrating it um you know there were definitely some people that blocked me and unfollowed and um like oh you weren't you're not into this you're not into this you know uh i make no apologies for it as a former fetus as a former baby in my mother's womb i i get a vote in this um women's rights yeah 50 percent of the babies aborted are females so we just acknowledged at least 50 percent of those have rights that were that's not complicated that's actually really easy um there are there issues or there 100 percent you know um but, but and by the way when you talk to someone who's rabidly pro-abortion and they, they of course they frame it pro-choice um and they and they'll immediately talk about the the uh, the extreme cases well what about rape and incest what about and if you offer by the way uh okay what if and we'll just then, then pass the law then then that's not good enough because it's really not what they want. What they really want is the actual choice, and so they're going to use, you know, frame that as the argument for it. Um, and and when they're genuinely honest, if if a law was passed uh, that that did allow that, it's not, it's still not good enough. That's not what what for the most part a leftist leftist especially want is not that they want. I mean, what they want is what California is giving, what New York is giving, which is almost all the way up to birth. Like even the European countries that are considered so pro, you know, progressive and so modern do not allow that kind of nonsense um and in our country uh, i'm okay with celebrating it i'm okay with acknowledging that there are some uh complexities to it but i'm not okay with saying that it is uh not something to celebrate yeah that there is a moment that there are babies today that are going to live because of this bad law being overturned there are babies that are going to live i'm okay with that yeah. Yeah. My, my dad texted me after all this um, went down last week, just kind of talking about it. Uh, super personal to him. I mean, he's, he's, he was adopted. He was an adopted child. And, um, and he's so grateful that that, that, mm. that happened, that he's alive, you know, to be mm. able to tell a story. Right. Um, and change the dynamic, change the, the family tree, <laughs> the roots of, of the family continue on now. I mean, obviously. Uh, he has a son and a grandson and about to have a great grandson, uh-huh. uh, all because his, his birth mother, um, chose life. Yeah. He's pretty passionate about that. Yeah. Um, I was hearing, uh, I listened to Bill Maher talk about this. Uh, Bill Maher is not a leftist. He's a, he's a liberal. It's the difference between the religion <laughs> and the ideology, but yeah, he made the comment. He's like, yeah, this is complicated for me because I was someone that my mom almost aborted me. So this, I have to, you have to leave room for me to feel complicated. Now, of course, he's not. It's not complicated enough for him that he would move the needle, but he at least acknowledged that this is not as simple. Yeah, which is a, a fair thing to say because it is true. He, if he, you know, now there are those who hate Bill Maher enough where they would say that, but maybe it would be better. Um, 
By the way, I used to be one of those. I'm like, man, I, that guy's just—he—he's just—he hates Christians. He hates, you know, which he does. He's—he does—he thinks people that believe what I believe are nuts. He made an entire documentary about it called Religious. Um, but the one thing that he and I, if I were if we were to meet, would agree on is the idea that freedom of speech is something that is important and critical. And he is somebody that gets hilariously mocked as a right wing Trump supporter. I'm like, are you kidding me, Bill Maher? Like, no. Not at all, but at least acknowledging that what, like what your dad and many others, my grandfather was adopted, um, my dad's dad, uh, from like a you know orphanage in Omaha, like Boys Town. Um, that th- that's a thing that is. Th- there are people alive today that God has done and brought into the world, and and by the way, that means there's people that are that are not alive today that we don't know what what their what would have happened had they been allowed to, you know to live if their right to life had been acknowledged. Um, and we'll never know until eternity. One of the things that uh, is also kind of plaguing our culture right now and something that we're, you know, we're trying to be aware of and, and that's, you know, when we talk about praying uh, for wisdom in, in troubled times and uh, trying to keep our head on a swivel and keeping up with everything that's going on. Right now, what's kind of hitting us between the eyes um, we've talked about it a little bit, but there's our economy, the U.S. economy. In fact, the global economy is is a bit of a wreck right now, to put it mildly. And um, there's you know there's a lot of people trying to figure things out financially in their homes um, and in their in their month to month budget. Um, as gas prices soar, energy crisis, uh, energy prices soar, food prices soar. Um, people are having to make some decisions. And uh, there was a recent poll, I think it was this past week, just asking Americans, you know, we're six months into the year, you know, what are the things that uh, that you want to, to hear politicians or uh, folks talk about more or give answers for more or direction um, the most? And uh, a th- more than a third of Americans want some direction on what's happening with the economy. Yeah. Um, more than anything else, more than... Uh, any other topic, and there's a ton of topics for us to choose from. Yeah. Um, but the the one thing the 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 majority want some direction on on the economy. How how are they going to handle um, making decisions for their family when the dollar just doesn't stretch as far? Yeah. What is uh, so? What year were you born? Eighty one. Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. It was a good year. MTV. MTV and Mo. Mo is Mo TV. (laughs) So you have technically lived through two recessions, although one of them you wouldn't remember because the 80s, I mean, that's what, you know, Reagan, it was basically the end of the 70s when the inflation and um, interest rates and all, it was just insane. Yeah, my again, my dad reminds me regularly that their first home purchase (laughs) was uh, uh, with an interest rate of 18%. Yeah. In like 1984 or whatever. Yeah, which is bonkers, by the way. Um, and homes were obviously significantly less, but they were, you know, also so was income. So it's, you know, it's, a, you know, outpaced. And then 2008, you were old enough. You had kids by then. Yeah, I had kids. I had my own business. Owned a home. Yeah. And touring business was particularly brutal because we you know we made a product that people bought with their discretionary income you know we weren't <laughs> selling water you know we weren't selling like food 
you know, we were selling things that were entertainment based. Um, and I say entertainment based, especially for us. We, you know, and that's why we, as far as my company, for sure, we were like, we've got to get out there because hope is the one thing we have on tap. So we've got to figure this out and get out there on the road. But that, that said, so this is my third run at a third lap around the <laughs> yeah around a, a bad economy now i was old enough in 1980 to know something was wrong but not to fully understand i remember seeing you know on the news pictures of um, cars lined up down the street getting gas yeah um I, and i lived in a town that was the one of the biggest victims of it you know um the the, the cement plant closed the cheese plant closed and that was it like those jobs left and so did you know the, i think there were 3000 2900 3000 people in the town that, that i grew up in and now it's 15 to 1600 oh wow like they're literally bulldozing homes that town never recovered from uh from that but th- that said this is my third lap on an economy and so i'm simultaneously very aware of what is coming what's happening and and hopeful that if Jesus doesn't return or whatever, that this is there's a we'll get through this together. Um, and also, you know, what's interesting when you're reading this thing about Psalms, uh, Psalms 18, the the prayer that uh, in my distress I called to the Lord, I cried for help. Like verse six, from His temple He heard my voice. Right, He heard to the, which in genuine. I, I think it was Joel that said that maybe the first Sunday in June or whatever that. Even God hearing our prayer is just grace. Like the fact that he hears us is yeah. such an amazing grace that I take for granted. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundation of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Um, th- there are some things that we're praying for to avoid that maybe God is doing because th- he needs to readjust some things in the earth. Like if like that's actually pretty scary. Like the mountains shook. You know, that's a pretty scary idea. Have you ever experienced an earthquake? Yeah. Like like a a decent-sized one? Uh Uh-huh. It's a scene, man, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, one of them, I was in Guatemala with my son. Okay, yeah. And he slept through it. Oh, that's right. You know what? My boys were there, too. Did you sleep through that, Micah? Yes, he did. Of course he did. I, I ran out into the courtyard. Not a good father move, by the way. Because earthquakes are fast. So but what I ran out was I was looking for the Guatemalans. And if they're panicking, then panic. <laughs> and um, and I'm going to get this backwards. Some California people are going to email me. But there are two kinds of quakes, and one of them is the kind where you get scared. One, the, the up and down one where it's just like you're uh, like just up, down, up, down, up, down. And then there's the side-to-side one. And I want to say that it's the side-to-side one that you need to be scared uh, and and they, if, in my mind, it feels like it's that one just because it feels like it would knock something over. But I ran out into the courtyard, and none of the Guatemalans were panicking, and so I just went back to bed. <laughs> well, I wish I would have known some of that information when I experienced my first earthquake uh, in California. California, yeah, yeah. I was in Los Angeles, and uh, quick story: I was I was making a presentation. It's my artist management days. I was making a presentation at NBC Studios for like a TV film pitch. Help me out here. What were you wearing? What was I wearing? I need, I need a mental picture. Because <laughs> what, what you don't know right now is Mo is wearing a canary, canary poop yellow T-shirt. Uh, it's got it's an old vintage a, conduit vintage, church yeah, shirt that our children's pastor made. Yeah, 
but I don't remember what I was wearing, but I'm sure it was, you know, I was a sharp, well-dressed man for a presentation. I think you were. I think you probably had the... Uh, at Universal. I mean, this was... Was it an affliction shirt? Like a, like no, a button-down? No, you went no. with a button-down, didn't you? Probably. A tie? No, no tie. No tie. I was I was trying to look sharp, you yeah. know, for the for the industry moguls. Yeah. Well, the L.A. people, they take it real serious. For sure. And, and I'm giving this presentation, and... Uh, and, and an earthquake happens in the middle of this presentation. Mid presentation. Oh, and you know, I've I've got like a stack bummer. of CDs, and I've got like, you know, some props. You know, make I'm making a presentation, and probably the biggest presentation of my career. And an earthquake hits, and you know, like gold records are falling off the wall, and things are coming off the desk and in the room, and like lamps are falling How over. How many people are in the room? There's probably like seven. Yeah, some probably some colorful metaphors flying out of them. And they didn't budge. Oh, they knew. But I didn't. Oh, no. And so I ran out of the room. Oh, no. To go hide, because I didn't know what was happening. I had never experienced an earthquake before. And it was like a six, it was like a six-pointer Okay, on so, the Richter scale. So you're among friends here. Oh, uh, man. You, you're with friends. You're safe. What sound did you make? <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I can repeat it. Oh, so did you use bad language? Like emergency I, like, language? Like under my breath. Like, okay. like but was oh, it like a squeal? Or I just ran out of the room, and it was terrible because I had to come back into the room. Because, <laughs> you know, I had to finish things up, and they are, they're laughing. Oh, God. They are, you know, heads in their hand, just like embarrassed for me. Flyover country guy. You know, oh, they are, look, people, the thing about L.A. music business people is bad. they already looked at us with a sense of condescension. Oh, and it just sealed the that deal. That deal, yeah. I mean, it sealed that deal, but I don't think it sealed the deal that I was trying to seal yeah. <laughs> with my artist. You walked out of there with the wrong deal. Oh, man. But yeah, earthquakes are scary. I, I just never experienced one before. I obviously grew up in Ohio and Tennessee, which we get our fair share of shakes here and there, but not like that. Uh, no, nothing like that. I mean, I've been in San Francisco, L.A., and yeah, the, the rumble. Um, I guess you get used to it. I mean, our California friends, they, they, they know. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing about them. They get out here, and they think of tornadoes in the way we think of uh, sure of earthquakes. earthquakes. Yeah, that's true. Because that is true. my California people, especially the first tornado that hits, they're panicking on yeah, it's a whole different social ballgame. media. Like, oh, my gosh. Like okay, here's the thing about a tornado: you actually know where it is. That's right, and you know it's coming. Yeah, you know. Now, if you're living in a trailer, there are certain times, whatever. But it's not like it's gonna, you know, unless you're dead asleep and whatever. For the most part, people that are in a tornado, they're gonna get hurt. Know it's coming. Earthquake is. There's no prediction. There's no, you know, there's no Nash severe weather on Twitter telling you, hey, get ready for this earthquake. It's coming. <laughs> it's going through College Grove right now. Uh, it's just you wake up. Uh, you know, and someone's about to pick you up with a stick and a spoon and put you in a bag because you've been squished by a, a parking garage. Like, you've got no, like, earthquake, there's no middle ground. So I'm not, a, if I had to choose between tornado and to choose between, um, tor what did I say? Tornado or earthquake. Tornado or earthquake. Uh, I'm sorry, I said something that clearly threw everybody off. Um, that uh, I would pick tornado all day long because uh, you can chase them, man. You know where they're at. Yeah, it's anyway. something you used to do back in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Regardless, so, so I mean, the, that's what he's talking about here. It's, well, and it's he did this. Yeah. He was, and, and, and if it's about his wrath, First Thessalonians, like we, body of Christ, Jesus people, we are not appointed unto wrath. Not that we're not going to suffer. That was never one of the promises. Well, but the promise was is that if it was God's wrath that was making the suffering, Jesus absorbed that. So are we going to have to tighten our belts a little bit? Probably. 
uh, are we going to have to uh, take a look at the future of uh, of our country and that it, 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 whatever's happening right now, can we recover as a country? You know, I hope so. Um, we're sure not going to go down without trying. Not in Christian nationalism or whatever you know pejorative that's come from left wing organizations, but f- from the idea that this country was founded on a very specific set of principles and morals and that if you divorce yourself from those you divorce yourself from the benefit of them um and much of what is happening literally right now is a direct result of us not divorcing uh, or of divorcing ourselves from the morals of our country um and, and i'm not just saying because they put you know half naked ladies on mtv i'm saying literally because we worshiped science and we we anointed epidemiologists as the ones that would know the way out we allowed them to literally decimate our economy uh, and by the way proof of that is happening right now it was just released yesterday that uh, the journal even the times reported that economically speaking uh red states and blue states red states are recovering way way faster than blue states they just are and they are because there were policies that were put in place there that did not worship the epidemiologists and probably would be a lot faster if they didn't have cities like Miami and Fort Lauderdale or Nashville that kept it closed longer because they're worshiping this idea um, but be that as it may God is angry and I got to tell you I don't, is it 60 million at this point abortions it might be closer to 70 mm-hmm. it's about 10 million a year I might make God a little mad You'd be a little angry at that. Now, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, that wrath was absorbed by Jesus. Um, but if well, whatever his wrath is, we don't have to, it, it's not going to come on us. Whether we're in an ark um, or whether we're taken out of here, whatever your theology says, he is, he is in charge. He has not lost control of this game. But at the same time, I think it's the First Chronicles 12, men of Issachar, we need to understand the times we live in and know what to do. And if the economy is collapsing, maybe, or if it's just contracting, we don't know. Um, what we do know is that God is still on the throne, Jesus is still coming back, and that he still hears our prayers. We know that. We can cry out to the Lord in our distress, and he will hear our prayers. Yeah, and I think part of that as well, you know, us not going down without a fight is us um, you know, being, being responsible with our spending. Um, there's things that we can do to control the narrative in our own families, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, a stat that came out this week, <clears throat> excuse me, is that 58% of Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. So that's, you know, six out of 10 living paycheck to paycheck. And credit card debt is up 20% in the past month. Just in the past month. What? Credit card debt is up so people like literally in one month yeah Be, yeah fascinating because the cost of of goods the cost of um just inflation nine percent is the number the inflation number and so that's because that's starting to compound folks are having to turn to, to credit cards it's interesting this stat came out as well one in nine uh respondents to this survey said that they would not be able to cover a 400 dollar emergency expense so t- one in nine. One in nine. So ten percent of our country, which would be thirty million people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four hundred dollars hit. They they would they wouldn't know what to do. And the bummer about that right now is a four hundred dollar emergency. 
what is that a tire blowing out like, that, like that's not a very big emergency with with inflation right now yeah yeah so i mean it begs the question okay so what can we do to help mitigate some of this i mean one of the things that i would encourage right now so heading into these next several months especially through the end of the year is you know pay off your smallest debt now i mean interest rates are continuing to go up um, just pay it off, whatever it is. Just knock it out. Just get it out of the way. Whatever that thing is has been lingering out there for a while um, that you've been paying the minimum payment on. Maybe you've been paying the interest-only payment. Um, just bump it up. Just get it knocked out as quick as possible. That would be one thing that you could do. Um, you know, the the other thing that's kind of coming down the pipe that nobody's really talking about yet that we're starting to see, and I saw it in my... I saw it in the church's energy bill, our electric bill that we got in the mail. We talked about this in our last podcast, how everybody was out of town uh, on, our, on our staff on vacation a few weeks ago. And I, I cut power to basically everything in the building for that week. <laughs> <laughs> um, it didn't move the needle as much as I had wanted it to. Technically, it did. But because energy costs are so uh, much higher than they were just a few months ago, it was still like our largest electric bill that we've had ever. Ever. Oh yeah. And there's a there was another report that came out this week saying that our energy cost, electric cost specifically, will double uh, over the next several months. Um, so your electric bill that you're used to paying for right now um, is going to look larger in the coming months. Um, and so yeah, you know, all all you dads out there that are, you know, guarding. Your thermostat. Mm -hmm. Godspeed. Continue to do so. <laughs> Hold the line. Hold the line. Come on, dads. We can do this. Well, the, um, yeah, and right in our own backyard, um, and many people who are a part of our conduit fellowship work for an organization called Ramsey Solutions. Right, yeah. And you're going to see it again with their organization. Uh, they're about to be really, 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 really busy. Yeah. Um, in the good times, people making fun of Dave because you know he he he's so old school. He's the thing about the way an economy works. There is no new economy. There's just the economy. It's just supply and demand. Like it's literally the 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 biblical principles of how an economy works is still how an economy works. <laughs> whether you've got crypto or whether you're investing in you know runaway costs of real estate or you know. It, it goes up and it goes down, but if you are steady, you know the the old um, the millionaire next door book. Um, like my boss Charles Doris at William Morris Agency um, was a quintessential example of this kind of guy, the millionaire next door. He bought a Ford Explorer brand new off of the off of the factory, and then drove it for like twenty five years. The guy could easily have afforded way more than that. Literally drove it till it died. Lives in a beautiful little home in Brentwood could afford way more than he does but you would never know but he has just lived by the biblical idea of uh living off of less than what you make saving being a reasonable um that's not prosperity gospel i know people you know will talk about the folks at ramsey and say oh they're, they're prosperity gospel people i assure you they are not what they are are teaching very simple and safe principles uh to people that are going to need it as and the, it's like all of us the sad thing is when you really needed to be listening to this is when you were really in a, in a good economy it's true but here we are and there are many who are not and so you're going to be uh whipped into shape and you're going to have to make some decisions and uh financial peace university is still an option for you know for those that have not lived by those ideas absolutely um, 
to live simply, to um, make decisions that you know it's it's like only the fool continues to like live as if the this, the reality in front of him is not happening. So if you know if credit card debt is going up by twenty percent in one month, mm-hmm. like that, that's clearly unsustainable. Yeah, in a world that already has a. 1.4 trillion in student loans in a world yeah. that you know where mortgages are already you know make up the vast majority of you know and people are definitely stretching themselves right now for mortgages yes yeah so mortgage rates um obviously have doubled um over the past several months and uh d- demand is just falling off a cliff right i mean what you could buy at maybe a three percent or four percent is now six and a half seven percent just a month or two later refis have fallen off completely um, so things are obviously slowing, slowing down, and gas prices have edged down. Um, if you've noticed, um, I think it's temporary, and based upon just a few conversations I've had with some some really smart guys lately, um, it's cooling off just a little bit, just because of supply and demand. And mm-hmm. Saudis kind of opened up their exports a little bit too, um, but I've still, <laughs> it's still going to edge back up in over the next few months. Um, all that to say. Man, we, there's things that we can do, you know, to conserve. We talk about being conservative. Um, there's things that you can do um, to to help protect your your finances as we head into to harder times. You know, this weekend, this past weekend, I didn't get to tell you this, man. I, we went to Amish country. We went and visited. <laughs> did you get some jam? I did. Yeah. <laughs> we went to Amish country down here in Etheridge, Tennessee. Yeah, I've heard it. I've I've never been. It, it's a must. It's a must go. Situation, yeah. For people that don't believe in uh, zippers, they can monetize the heck out of some English people. You know, and so they're completely off the grid. Yeah, zero electric. Like there's, there's, it's, it's just living off the land. And I walked into a couple of these setups because you know they're selling their stuff out front of their house. Um, you know, pies and fruits and vegetables and um, all, all kinds of things. Do right? they take Venmo? Absolutely not. So you had to walk in there with like cash, cash only, cash, like U.S. dollars, cash only, cash only. But I'm walking into some of these setups at these different. You know, you go to farm to farm to farm, depending on what they're selling. And man, I, I, I don't know. I started contemplating like these people. I was a little, I was a little bit envious of the situation. Like they know nothing that's happening. Like you know, recession, politics. Anything and everything that maybe we're consumed by on the daily with our phones and, you know, uh, the algorithms and the news cycle, they know of none of those things. All those things that bring anxiety, all those things that bring worry and concern, they're not having a single conversation about that. And there was this this moment where I'm kind of standing there with my hands in the pockets looking around like, man, I, I can kind of get behind this right now. <laughs> Just some incredible setups, like from their farms and their barns and water sources, and uh, it was a really interesting experience. Yeah. So, could you tell? Did they have like gravity-fed water systems in their homes, like water towers? Where they yeah, absolutely. Uh, they had it all. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away by their setup. I mean, it was kind of like a prepper's dream to kind of walk around and be like, "Wow, oh, that's how you do that. Oh, that's a really good idea." Right. Um, but it was just it, it gave it gave incredible perspective to uh, to to where you know where we are um, and what was and maybe somewhere in the middle really where we maybe could be mm-hmm. should be uh, but regardless it was it was a really good level set and reminder that man for all the things that maybe are 
not great that come out of the Amish community, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the, the rigidness, the, the, you know, the, the laws that they're following, the, the laws that they've made up for their own uh, culture, for all of those things, there really is a, a dependence upon God there that mm-hmm. they really rely on. And it was just really refreshing to see that in action, live and in action, um, that they're just dependent upon each other. Their communities are so strong mm-hmm. um, that it was, it was really energizing to, to think that through and to see that. What kind of jam did you buy? Man, we came home with some natural honey. Uh-huh. We came home with a fresh baked loaf of bread. This, this woman came out of the house with this loaf of bread that looked like it was glowing, like, like glorious, still smoking, set it on the table um, for sale. It was like $3 for this fresh <laughs> loaf of bread. So we scooped that up. Great. Uh, I guess inflation's not touching their economy. That's just it. I, I mean, you exist. can go down there. We got like a dozen uh, ears of corn for like four bucks. And then I went, we went to Kroger the next day to see how much they were charging. And it was literally like three times as much. Um, of course, yeah. I mean, it's just a whole different world, and it was, there was, uh, it was encouraging to to see that 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 can happen, that that can be possible, uh, that it still exists. And there was a little bit of kind of wondering what it would be like to not uh, have the phone and or have the, you know the news cycle constantly just you know uh, entering into our minds and all of these things and concerns. Yeah, when you think about specifically that like what are you going to allow into your mind the news as we used to know it and in fairness i think even in the 80s um there was still i mean i I mean don henley you know wrote a song about it you know the idea of the evening news like smiling while talking about murder murders and but like more than ever the idea is getting you to click on something based on fear or anger whether it's true or not it's just not that relevant. And I experienced it even this last week. Like, uh, if you were looking at the news the last week, what you heard was travel Armageddon. What you read was everything is falling apart. Are we going to survive this? Um, and then when you look at the numbers, numbers, you know, 20% of flights were uh, delayed. Not not a great number, but that's not a disaster. Um, 1% of flights were canceled. So I had a 99% chance of my flight being canceled, and I was realizing how stressed I had been at a 1% chance that my flight would cancel. The flying home on the 4th? Yeah, yeah, on the 4th, which, by the way, did not cancel, and there was no Armageddon at the airport where I was at. Like, we, we walked right in. It was fine. Now, are there challenges at the at those, uh, airports? Sure. But is it Armageddon? Is it dying? Is it like monkeypox on planes? Like, it's, it's none of that. <laughs> like, it's none of that. So disconnecting from it, it's like there's this tension of how do I, how do I understand the times I live in and know what to do? And one of the things is, is I have to understand that the news is no longer news. It's a product that is being marketed and sold. Yes. And wh- the product isn't the news. The product is me. Yep. My eyes looking at this news article, that's the product. And whatever they got to do to get me to click on it. Um, I mean, yesterday, uh, the, the BA54... You know, two variant or whatever in Britain, and it's like this giant. You know, oh my gosh, we're gonna uh, news article in NPR, and I I did what I tell myself I won't do. I clicked on it because it means they they got my product. And you know, you read the article, and it's like, oh yeah, the numbers are up in UK, and then buried deep in this article is 
oh yeah, but this is still pretty mild. Um, nobody's really in the hospital, and so so literally they just they Armageddon a news story to get me to click on it. That was the headline wasn't true. It just wasn't. It was f- patently false, designed to get me to click on it. And I guess if you're Amish, you're not clicking on any of that stuff. So you're like, you know. They they opted out of uh, they opted out of the pandemic. I'm like, what what pandemic? We're you know we're doing just fine out here, and somewhere in between the Amish, you know, using outhouses and you know doom scrolling is there's there's this middle ground of knowing understanding the times and knowing what to do, and part of that would be to understand that you are the product of the news. The news is not the product for you, and to find information to be able to act, to be able to be behave well, to be. You know, but at the same time, to just turn it off and not let it overwhelm. Because, again, he is in control. If your own personal economy is getting hit, cry out to the Lord. Make some good decisions. Uh, some choices are going to be beyond you. You're going to have to you know, make some choices as far as employment. Maybe. I don't know. Um, what feels like happened, to be quite honest with you, if you remember in March of 2020, April 2020, we put in place a task force, whatever you want to call it, for our church to help people in financial difficulty. And then we're shocked when nobody, we, we had to go find people in our church. And we have a lot of people that would never ask. So we, we offered to help people who wouldn't ask. But because the government kept raining money, but now the government's not raining money, so all it did was kick a can down the road, and then, you know, I think it was Ronald Reagan, you know, inflation is the cost of all the free stuff the government gave you. Um, we're at the place now where we're getting the, the cost of the free stuff is hitting us. And so now there might be a place where the, where the church is going to swing into action and we're going to be able to help people here. But for yourselves, um, the government's not coming for you this time. Um, cry out to the Lord and seek his wisdom on it. It's going to be okay, whether it is him, him, Jesus is returning, whether it is, and look, whether it's the end of the American empire, whatever you want to call it, like, I don't know. Like, when you talk about um, the idea that history teaches us that the stock market on average gives a 10% return, that's over, you know, X amount of years, and it's conventional wisdom. That's not history. That's 75 years, 80 years. History is thousands of years, and history tells us that every great nation rises and falls. That's history. Now, in between history, we get to live and try to live wisely. And so far, over the last, since it was measured, the, the average cost of a home going up goes up about 2 or 3% a year. So when we had a years where it doubled like it did, it's going to go back down because, his, you know, the history of our little economy says that, that that's what your house should be, is about 2 to 3% a year over the span of 70 years. So it will, it's going to correct. Um, some of you guys hit the lottery. Congratulations. Uh, some of you are going to end up upside down uh, in your house. That happened in 2008, and those sucked, and the, but they survived, and God is still good, and God is still here, and we still have an opportunity to live as if we believe that the God of the universe hears our prayers. Summer of Psalms. That was, verse, or that was Psalm 18 from last week, and then actually this Sunday, uh, Darren's back in the saddle, continuing a thought— that he started two weeks ago from Psalm uh, 51. Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit in me. And this is kind of a part two. Yeah, uh, when I was in 51, it was like, man, this is, there's just a lot. It's like, a you know, the Brazilian steakhouse. We were just shaving the meat off of uh, Psalm 51, and there was just way too much to let it go to waste. So I want to finish out the idea of what it means 
like the difference between a gospel repentance and a religious repentance. One of them is about getting out of the consequences. That's religion all day long. I'm sorry, but it's not about because I'm sorry. It's because I don't want to be punished. And the other is the gospel, which is that Jesus received the wrath and the punishment, and he's so good. It's what the way Psalm opens. It's according to your ever-loving kindness, your unfailing kindness. That's the focus on God and his goodness, and that kind of repentance actually changes, like it transforms you from the inside out. So we're going to talk in depth. He talks about you know cleansing him, restoring him, um, and we didn't get to that two weeks ago. And I was, you know, like, man, do we can we take a break in between and, you know, the OCD among us, we're like, oh, you can't. But if the average person is going every other week, they're actually going to be there for the second one anyway. So it's going to be just like I picked up right where I left off. So well, we're looking forward to that. Uh, for the rest of July, we'll be in the book of Psalms. And then just kind of a little sneak peek looking ahead into this fall, late summer, fall. We're actually going to jump into the book of John. Yeah. I'm excited John, about that. The gospel yeah. of John. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. The he, he he said it in John twenty thirty one. Um, I wrote this that you might believe. And, wow. Um, and he puts together. You know, it's uh, there's the synoptic gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are all sort of versions of the same. It's like the same news reporter reporting on the same story, maybe from a different vantage point. Yeah, that's right. You know, John is more like the in depth, um, like. Uh, news magazine kind of version of it, like the Dateline version of Jesus. Like we're going to do an entire episode uh, devoted to Jesus. So he goes super in-depth in things that the others didn't. Yeah, like like making a documentary. He was more of making a documentary of the situation, a little more historian of of what was happening. A lot of details. A lot of of details, not as much as like Luke, but more like, um, well, he was really writing for, intellectual people i mean he's using words like logos doxa like he's writing for I mean, the word became flesh the logos became flesh and dwelt among us it wasn't saying that jesus was the bible with arms and legs the logos was the meaning is literally it was a greek idea that if you understand the logos it's this meaning that exists outside which is what like marcus aurelius some of those guys, they all talked about that stuff and john was saying to those philosophers of that day jesus is that logos he became flesh. He dwelt among us. And that's just chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. Verse, verse one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At the very beginning. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a little uh, sneak peek of what's coming. If you've missed any of our summer of Psalms series, you can find that obviously on our YouTube channel, um, which is conduit church. Just search conduit church in the YouTube search bar conduitchurch.com for all the information of anything that's happening here. Um, and we're, it's just been a fun summer and just thanks for being patient with us as we take some weeks off and we, uh, kind of maybe every other week or just, we're just doing it as, as it comes. Uh, whoever's in town, we're trying to just grab a mic here and, and go for it. But uh, just thanks for tuning in each and every week and we'll be back here next week. <laughs>